It may be dry, but it's not 2021. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's a climatologist. Kenny, it's been a while. How you doing? <laughs> doing okay, Jim. How are you? You know, I have no complaints, as you well know, and we'll talk about this. Uh, hot weather is returning. Uh, it's my kind of weather, although I recognize that it's also dangerous for a lot of people, too, and basically dangerous for anyone if you don't take necessary precautions. But we'll get around to that. Let's uh, talk, Kenny, first of all, about uh, we're now hearing the D word. We just got the U.S. Drought Monitor released this morning. This is uh, July 14th. We're recording the show in the morning. And um, we now have uh, moderate drought in a relatively small portion of uh, east central Minnesota, correct? Yeah, that, that is right. This is something we've been watching. Anyone in the Twin Cities knows. It's really been tough to get substantial precipitation for about two months now. Uh, in fact, you know, I, I'm a rainfall observer in the Cocoraz network and on Tuesday night, I got a little over a half an inch of rain, and that was the most rain in a day I had had since May 12th. And that's substantial because this is a time of year where, you know, it's not uncommon to get uh, an inch or two inches of rain, you know, maybe once or twice in a month. And so I, you know, an inch, especially an inch of rain, isn't that unusual in the summertime. And it usually happens a few to even several times. And the fact that most places have been really struggling to even get a quarter of an inch. So you've kind of seen it in the Twin Cities metro area. You've seen it dry out. Some of our colleagues in Wisconsin had requested to hoist that moderate drought into parts of western Wisconsin last week. And it actually seeped into Washington County, eastern metro. And then just looking at things this week, it was uh, decided that there's enough of that sort of short to intermediate term drying to call this a, at least an entry level drought. Uh, again, it's a fairly small area. It goes from near Mankato up uh, into the Twin Cities, basically covering the 494, 694 loop in Hennepin County, and then uh, about the southern half of Ramsey County, uh, southern half of Washington County and and most of Dakota County, except for the far south. So it's not it's not a huge area. Um, but, you know, this is kind of at least how it's starting. We don't know where it's going to go. We find I think we're sort of at a critical juncture. It would take a, a while for us to get into the kind of, you know, bright reds the deeper levels of drought that we were in last summer because we had a very wet spring and there is still some water in the system. But, you know, as you say, especially if the hot weather arrives and we don't get much in the way of precipitation, uh, then you would expect that the drought in these areas would expand a bit and potentially deepen as time goes on this summer. So right now we find ourselves in, you know, a situation where you could actually get some precipitation. It's, you know, it hasn't been raining a lot in terms of volume, but we have been, you know, over the last week, two weeks, we have been seeing more days where there is some precipitation somewhere in the area. And, you know, we've just been getting dribs and drabs and it's generally been uh, underwhelming for, for the most part, but we have some potential this weekend uh, beginning tonight, Thursday night, and into Friday morning, and then on and off into the weekend and early next week, we could see 
you know, some precipitation, there's some chance for, you know, a organized thunderstorm complex, both Thursday night and Friday morning. And then again, uh, in the middle of next week. And if those were to happen, that would at least hold the drought back a little bit in some places. But we've had a lot of these sort of empty promises this summer. And that's also one of the disturbing signs that, that the drought is starting to ramp up where, you know, precipitation looks more likely uh, several days away, and then it kind of fades as it gets closer in time, or it goes from looking like it's going to be widespread, and it ends up being kind of scattered. I don't know if you've noticed that, Jim, but yeah, uh, definitely a lot of little spritzy showers that come and go, and then some pop-up convection that might uh, dump a fairly heavy rain, but over a very brief period of time. We've seen that a lot in the last, uh, I would say, week plus. But nothing that seems to really, uh, you know, produce a lot of rainfall. Now, it's interesting. I'm also in the Coco Raz program that you mentioned. And uh, we had um, here in South Minneapolis about three-tenths of an inch on Tuesday night, uh, which was the most we had seen in the rain gauge for quite a while. I did hear something interesting, Kenny, and I don't mean to catch you off guard here. But I had heard that during the rainfall event on Tuesday night, MSP where the weather observations are taken, the MSP airport reported the most rainfall since Memorial Day weekend. Does that seem possible? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, it was just such a paltry... I mean, and that, that's the thing, is that um, June was incredibly dry. I mean, there were areas in the Twin Cities that didn't even get an inch of precipitation. And it's at a time where we normally would get four inches or more so June was very dry. We, we didn't get much during June. So yeah, Memorial Day, it's not an impressive amount of rainfall getting, you know, I think the airport got something like 0.38 inches on Tuesday. Wow. It's not a lot, but yeah. it's just we haven't had much competition in that regard. And, and it's worth pointing out, this Minnesota podcast, this is fairly localized. There has been kind of a a drying out of the hydroclimate over the last two months in the region in general, but there have been enough storms and or some just big hits uh, that that's why we don't see any of these drought or abnormally dry conditions showing up in far Southern or any part of central or Northern Minnesota at this time. Uh, so the, the kind of dry conditions they're really centered on the area in and near the metro, especially from the Mankato area up to the uh, east side of the metro. I'd also say an area that's being watched is near Redwood Falls. They've been really on the border uh, out in that's Redwood County, where some areas of the county, some areas have gotten decent precipitation in, in the last couple of weeks and other areas are still uh, kind of waiting and uh, but yeah, it's just been a, it's been a dry period. It's not like where we were last year, where we had months of dryness leading up to this. Um, so I, you know, if I I don't assume that anyone remembers the timeline from last year, but basically in 2021, um, we were already quite dry before summer started. And then we started summer, you know, early June with a pretty ferocious heat wave. And that really catapulted us into uh, a much more serious drought condition, which kind of dominated the summer and didn't really break until August. The difference here is we had a very wet spring that made up for a lot of those deficits. 
uh, this year. And it's really only been since mid to late May that we've gone kind of dry in southern in southern Minnesota and then in central and northern parts of the state it hasn't been the same level of drying and it hasn't lasted as long yet. So, you know, for anyone who sees the, the word drought and gets concerned that we're going to have the kind of situation we had last year, we, we might be weeks, if not months away from that kind of condition. And it would take a lot more. I mean, I would say one month, at least it's, you can never tell who knows if we have a ferociously hot summer, in you know the next month and we don't get any precipitation then then we maybe will have a different situation to discuss but by and large it's more like a a very light version of drought which is what's represented on the map currently it's not particularly widespread and it's not at this time anyway uh rivaling the kinds of conditions that we had at this time last year Well, we do have the prospect for some precipitation coming uh, tonight and into Friday morning. How is that looking, Kenny? I have heard that some areas could get substantial rainfall and others miss out. Uh, How are things looking? Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I I think, well, I'll tell you what, Jim, the, the models that the forecasters use have really been doing a number because up until last night, so that would be Wednesday night, Everything looked like it was going to paint the southwestern half of Minnesota and maybe the Twin Cities would get hit if we were lucky and that eastern and northern Minnesota would be kind of left out of this one. And that that seemed all right because, you know, it was going to at least hit some of the areas that have been most affected. Some of the newer model information from last night and into this morning has a different scenario with um you know, basically the eastern and northern parts of Minnesota being affected. I would say that the bottom line is that there's going to be thunderstorms coming out of North Dakota and moving into Minnesota this evening. And some of those are going to be strong to severe, um, you know, from the evening hours towards maybe 1 1 a.m. And it's really unclear what's going to happen at that point. I think that I, I would say chance of thunderstorms across most of Minnesota is a, is a very reasonable bet. But I can't right now at this point see who for sure is going to get hit the most. There is a signal that areas in you know western Wisconsin uh, and maybe east central Minnesota sort of north and east of the Twin Cities will bear the brunt of this. And there's also a chance uh, from one model that'll go right through the core of the Twin Cities and we'll get a couple inches and that'll shut us up for a while, or that maybe southwestern Minnesota will get this. And it could be a little bit of all of those. Uh, the one thing we're not yet seeing indications of is that this is going to, you know, end a drought or anything like that. I think we're, we're probably at the point now where it would take a couple either really big, more widespread and longer lasting events. Uh, to do that, or, um, you know, maybe a steady diet of healthy precipitating weather systems for a couple or a few weeks. But uh, yeah, so that's not much of an answer. I'd say be, you know, pay attention to the forecast. Most of this will be overnight. Some of it will be in the morning. Um, Again, I think the best chance of some kind of thunderstorm activity is in the northwestern corner of Minnesota, maybe northwestern 25% or so going from Lake of the Woods, 
kind of straight down towards, oh, maybe Wadena or so, and then west to the North Dakota border. That area should see some thunderstorms this evening, even if they're scattered. The real question is what happens after that? Do they congeal and plunge southward? Do they develop eastward? Do they just form a long line and then kind of fatten up? Again, we're not getting much clarity from the main tools that we use to make forecasts. So I would just say there's there's a chance that it could rain just about anywhere in Minnesota. And then after that, we are staring down more hot weather. <laughs> this is one that's been talked up a lot. And I, I want to caution folks. I mean, it's summertime in Minnesota. It's July. We're actually getting to Jim Dubois' favorite time of year, the, where it's climatologically about as hot as we ever get. There's nothing really that unusual about temperatures in the 90s during July. It's I would say that's analogous to low temperatures falling below zero during January. It's something that you definitely expect. You know, you feel it when it happens because it, it makes it hot or cold, depending on which one of those conditions you're talking about. But it's not that unusual. What we have been seeing, though, uh, some of the models have been going absolutely berserk with the heating. And we're pretty sure, based on some of the performance from last year, that some of the really, truly extreme scenarios that we're seeing kicked out by the models are actually model errors. And the reason I wanted to make that distinction is some some of our partners in the media have gone and, you know, pointed out like, oh, we could see, you know, look at this model. It's showing 110 degrees. And I just want to make it clear that we could have some hot weather, but 110 degrees is not yet in the cards for Minnesota by any credible estimates. So I just want to kind of do our jobs as public servants and, uh, and, and communicators, Jim, that I think it will be hot. There are definite signs that we're going to go into the 90s in the Twin Cities area, or at least near 90, if not above 90, um, possibly for multiple days next week. And there are hints that maybe we'll go into the upper 90s, possibly even near 100. But there have been some extreme model scenarios that do not yet have any credibility. They actually seem to be errors in the way that the atmosphere is integrated. And if you're hearing that we're going to have all-time record temperatures or that we're going to see some of the hottest weather in years or decades in Minnesota, I just want people to know that there's actually no evidence for that right now. And of course, Jim, we'll get back on and uh, we'll record a new one and send it off when, uh, when that situation changes. Absolutely. And uh, it seems that things continue to be rather on the windy side. We've noticed this trend over the last several months, maybe not quite as windy in the last week or so, although a couple of uh, days ago, we had some really good wind gusts here. So Kenny, you and I have talked about this before, uh, not on the podcast, but what factors are potentially contributing to these windier conditions than we're normally used to experiencing here in this area? Yeah, I mean, some of this, I'm, we're going to have to admit that it's a little bit beyond uh, the current knowledge. So we know that we're seeing stronger winds across Minnesota this year and a little bit last year, too. I mean, it's not totally unique to this year, but it's definitely a, a recent phenomenon, especially stronger wind gusts, more days where the wind kind of, you know, it maybe is blowing at 15, 20 miles an hour, but it's gusting up to 35 or 40 miles an hour. Those days used to be fairly rare. Now, one change we know is, is actually has nothing to do with the weather. 
it's that some of the instruments that are used to track the wind are more sensitive, basically maybe more accurate than they used to be and more precise than they used to be. But that's leading to what appears to be more high wind gusts on the, on the record. But we can subtract that effect out and we're like, by looking at areas where the weather stations have not been upgraded to that newer sensing technology. And we still see the same thing. We're still seeing uh, a higher than usual uh, and in some cases record high number of days with 30 and 40 mile an hour wind gusts. So the obvious, you know, from just the basics of meteorology is if there's more wind, that usually means there's more and stronger pressure gradients around. You know, the difference between the atmospheric pressure from one point to another, uh, because wind is the thing that equalizes those pressure differences. So that's kind of one basic mechanism. And definitely in the winter, uh, we saw lots of evidence. But there's another thing that makes it windy. It's a little more complex, but it actually has to do with the vertical mixing of the atmosphere. And this is, you know, when the air goes up uh, because it gets warm or maybe there's cooler air aloft. So the air near the surface starts to rise. It has to be replaced. And often that replacement, you know, it forces the air to kind of constrict over the area where the air had left and you get you know, air rushing in to replace it, and that causes wind. But then there's also a vertical component where the, the air kind of goes on this almost like conveyor belt where it, it goes up because it's warm and it, it rises until it's no longer warmer than the air around it, and then it begins to sink. And as it, sink, it sinks, it dries out, and that actually forces it to heat by compression, and it comes down drier and uh, often with a different density than where it started. And that can also induce a lot of wind. And what we don't know, Jim, is how much of the increase in wind speeds that we have been observing over the last year plus are because of pressure gradient changes, you know, the changes in just, uh, you know, weather systems and normal air pressure differences over space. And how much of it is because there's been some kind of fundamental change in the way that the atmosphere mixes vertically. Two different mechanisms, uh, they both kind of need to be examined before we can know the answer. So right now, all we know is it's windier. Uh, you pointed out it's kind of not been as much the case in recent weeks. That's also because in the summertime, you know, think about, I mean, not, not to bring everyone back to the basics, because I don't know how many people have had the basics, but remember that our seasons are just changes in the intensity and duration of sunlight. And that in the winter time, you know, here in the Northern hemisphere, our winter is, you don't have any sunlight in the far Northern part of the hemisphere. And you have very strong sunlight still around the equator and in the tropics. And so you get a very strong temperature gradient and lots of mixing uh, or lots of differences in the air masses. And so winter tends to be a very windy and active time atmospherically. Uh, and the summer, by contrast, you know, sure, it's still super hot in the tropics, of course, because the sun is still extraordinarily strong there. It's still generally warmest time of the year. But then if you go up to the North Pole, the sun is out all day. And even though it's not a very strong sun, it's not delivering a, a lot of uh, energy per unit area, you get to the warmest time of the year in the high latitudes, and there's not a huge temperature difference. And this is all to say, summer's generally not a real windy time. Uh, so we would expect the winds to kind of fade out 
somewhat during the summer. And I think that might be part of what you're observing is we've, we've moved into a more traditional summer-like pattern. There isn't as much total temperature gradient and therefore pressure gradient for the atmosphere to work with. But we still have, as you pointed out, um, had some days where been pretty windy and pretty gusty. I think we had a 50 mile an hour gust uh, at the airport just the other day. So uh, yeah, the wind is still uh, alive and kicking there, Jim. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed on maybe a million dollar rain here and there in the area coming up uh, uh, tonight and into Friday morning. And um, then, of course, we'll prepare also for the possibility of severe weather. So keep an eye uh, on the sky and an ear or an eye to your favorite source of weather information. And then get ready for some hotter weather. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, just make sure you're safe and hydrated for that. Jump in a lake. Uh, That's sound advice, Kenny. Well, I'll tell you what, great always is talking to you, and uh, we'll connect with you again soon, Kenny. Very good. Thanks. Good talking to you, Jim, and we'll be in touch. This is Way Over Our Heads. It's a weather and climate podcast. I'm Jim Dubois. Kenny Blumenfeld's climatologist. We'll catch you next time.